If you have not watched China's Social Credit System Part 1, I highly recommend it before going and proceeding with this video because the article I'm talking about I stopped right in the middle of and I'm basically me picking up where I last left off. The China Social Credit System and the Blacklist. So far we have made several references to the Blacklist and Red List associated with China's Social Credit System. So what exactly is a Blacklist? China currently has a number of national and regional blacklists based on various types of violations. It is expected that over time, the system of blacklists will be fully integrated with the social credit score. Businesses can be placed on a blacklist due to a particular violation or because of a poor social credit score. A government notice released in 2016 encouraged businesses to consult the blacklist before they hire someone or assign them to a contract. Now, I've made some very similar observations with ESG scores. If you as an individual have a low ESG score, odds are a company will not hire you or want to do business with you if it's low because ultimately it impacts their score as well. Please note that companies will not be blacklisted automatically for compliance failures. The corporate social criticism also maintains an irregularity list. This list deals with significant but not yet blacklist level non-compliance. Presence on the list means that the business is in danger of being blacklisted and should quickly take steps to improve its reputation. The Chinese government utilizes the blacklist in multiple ways. The list itself is frequently being analyzed with available information on both its citizens and companies listed in their master database, working as a template for assigning each person a score. Now, Based off of history, I think we should be very cautious when it comes to blacklists and people, because let's put it this way. If your social credit score is too low and you're on the blacklist, well, you just might disappear in the middle of the night. And again, yes, I am speculating here. There is no proof that this could happen, but you never know what happens when you get branded a government dissident. While the China blacklist system is still in its early stages, it is already the most prominent system of its kind worldwide. China has already put this system into action and has barred thousands of Chinese residents' rights to buy plane tickets and travel either domestically or abroad. However, most of the blacklisting that has occurred to date has been as a result of violations or misbehaviors of companies and the individuals working for them. In its current iteration, the blacklist system is highly complex. Instead of having a single blacklist used by the federal government, there are currently hundreds of blacklists being controlled by various state agencies around China. Every agency has their own jurisdiction in which they operate, giving these localized organizations the ability to blacklist individual citizens and companies that operate within their area of authority. This sounds like a complete bureaucratic nightmare. I mean, never mind the idea of having a single federalized one. That's bad enough. But you have to deal with multiple ones all across China. I guess the good news is that if you're not on one in one area, you can move to a different location and get away from your low social credit score or blacklist or whatever until everything gets rolled up federally, of course. It's important to note that being blacklisted under one agency's jurisdiction may leave the affected party subject to blacklisting from the remaining agencies across the country. The level of integration of blacklisting differs across the country and between different government departments. Well, then I guess I stand corrected. 
it typically takes two to five years to be successfully removed from a blacklist, which often has a negative impact on the privileges afforded to those individuals and businesses in society. Early removal from the list is a possibility for some, depending on the severity of the offense and whether the offending party has done enough to rectify the situation in the eyes of the relevant governing body. Now, it's been a couple weeks since my last video, and I can't remember if I said this. I'm pretty sure I did, but this screams 1984 to me. In addition to being used as a metric for punishing citizens and companies for violating the country's guidelines, the social credit system is also intended to be useful in China's search for signs of potentially harmful behavior before it occurs. Now, if you've seen the movie Minority Report, you know exactly how this is going to be used. Instead of psychics, they're just merely using big data instead. What are the potential rewards for a good score? Now, I can pretty much guarantee you that any kind of benefit coming from a social credit system like what we're seeing here is going to be outweighed by the consequences of being a violator. On the other end of the spectrum, there are positives of the social credit system for people and organizations who are determined to be outstanding members of Chinese society. In this context, the opposite of being blacklisted is to be redlisted. The red listing allows citizens and companies to gain access to improved privileges that will impact their day-to-day -day lives. Translation, if you're being good girls and boys, the government will not make your life a living hell. There is a range of rewards to businesses that do well in this regard, including streamlined administrative procedures. For example, companies that are classified as an advanced certificate enterprise may receive faster customs clearance. A-rated taxpayers may have their tax returns processed more quickly, fewer inspections and audits, fast-tracked approvals. To what extent is technology integrated within the social credit system? New innovations in technology are poised to play a large role in the country's social credit system. Artificial intelligence facial recognition software is said to be currently utilized in tandem with over 200 million surveillance cameras in China. Again, very similar to the movie Minority Report, they're using cameras, but instead of scanning your eyes to advertise to you, they are basically using it to survey and collect data. And again, instead of psychics, they're using computers to monitor and predict your actions as well as your movements. Some argue that the purpose of large-scale surveillance measures in China is to give Chinese officials the ability to track their citizens in every facet of everyday life. Really? No shit. In turn, providing masses of data to determine whether an act worthy of being blacklisted has occurred. Along with these physical surveillance measures, the Chinese government continues to track the online behaviors of its citizens. There are a plethora of violations Chinese officials may be looking for, including evidence of writing and sharing anti-government ideologies. Because God forbid that people living in a country are against authoritarian governments. The AI software is able to do the majority of the work on behalf of the government and alert officials when a violation has occurred. The technology has advanced to a place where the AI can identify videos from anti-government protests and block users from viewing them. A good example of this would be something like Tiananmen Square. Can you imagine that happening today and the government having the ability to automatically block it from its citizens so they never know it even occurred? That is really frightening. Imagine Nazi Germany having technology this powerful, being able to fool the citizens of what was going on in concentration camps. 
Businesses must be cautious when navigating China's compliance laws as well, as their internet data may be used against them in the event of a violation. Data that reveals a company's lack of compliance in regards to contractual obligations are factored into and can play a significant role in determining the company's social credit score. It's worth noting that, generally speaking, China's public security system and social credit systems are distinct. Currently, the blacklist and red lists are created via the manual inputs of officials, and there is not yet a full-scale integration between the state security apparatus and the social credit system. The key words being not yet, but you are foolish to think that they won't be integrated in the future, though. What is the corporate social credit score? While the social credit system in China is universal in application, the policy focus to date has been on its application to companies. According to one analysis, 73% of policy documents released to date have been focused on applications of social credit in the corporate sector. The goal of the corporate social credit rating is to combine data from many different sources to provide a public searchable database of companies and to evaluate and to score those companies against a list of compliance criteria. And again, you are foolish to think that this is not going to be applied to the civilians of China or people who work for companies that are from overseas. Yes, it is going to be applied to everybody. While the corporate social credit rating is still in development, the goal is to work towards a comprehensive public credit rating, which will provide an overall score for companies operating in China. And yes, this applies to both companies foreign and domestic to China. In the meantime, companies need to use a range of existing databases providing information and evaluations of companies based on overlapping yet distinct data sets. The databases can be national, regional, local, and based on a particular industry. Businesses are assessed based on compliance, finance, and audit records. More than 33 million businesses in China have been assessed to date. Now, at this point, I'm going to be jumping down quite a bit in the article because a lot of what's coming up next is if you're a company wanting to do business in China, what to expect, how to get ready for the social credit system. Now, if this is something that you're interested, I suggest you read it because obviously you'll be able to read it faster than I'm going to be able to speak it. What is the public perception of the social credit system? As the social credit system is relatively new and unfamiliar to individuals and businesses from other countries, it may seem scary. Well, for good reason. This is authoritarian measures designed to control people and businesses. That's what it is at its heart. Yes, I'm pretty sure there are people that believe that it's being used for the public trust, but it's not. It is a means to keep people and businesses in line. Adhere to the ideology or there will be consequences. However, a significant degree of reporting in English language media has been based on linguistic confusion and policy proposals that have not yet been implemented. For example, businesses do not currently get penalized for frivolous spending, as has been widely reported. And again, the key word is do not currently. After all, things can change in the future. In many respects, a credit score in the United States, for example, can have just as serious consequences for individuals and businesses as China's social credit system. Now, I'm calling bullshit here because there is a difference between a credit score on how well you pay your bills on time or you know, how much debt you have and you have the ability or capacity to pay it and a social credit score that basically grades you on the shit you say online, whether you have the right opinions 
or play too many video games. Now, again, in the context here, I know that they're talking about businesses, but it's the same freaking concept. If a business supports, well, let's say free speech, free Taiwan, free Tibet, free whatever, China might have a freaking problem with it. And that is what they're being graded on, not whether they are a good business to do business with. For example, access to transport can be seriously curtailed in the U.S. due to a poor credit rating through higher insurance premiums and limited access to car loans. There is a huge difference of having higher insurance premiums because you drive like an asshole or have bad credit. There is a difference between that and, let's say, saying something against the president of the United States on Twitter and having that being used against you in a credit score. That is the difference here. And this is the biggest issue when it comes to social credit systems, because they're not going to be looking at your finances. They're going to be looking at how good of a citizen you are or do you support the right causes and have the right opinions? In 2017, CNBC looked at the similarities between the China social credit system and the FICO score in the U.S. One commentator quoted there for Zhang, professor of sociology and Singapore Management University, commented, From what has been outlined in the official sources, there is nothing more intrusive than what is commonly done in the West. And that is complete bullshit because there's evidence within this own article that is contrary to that statement. Although there has been substantial resistance to the social credit system from a global perspective, it appears that most Chinese citizens approve of the system. You can say that there is several camps here. Those who actually buy into the system, which I'm pretty sure there are people who are, and those who are smart enough not to speak out against it because they know it will damage their social credit rating. So yes, of course, people are willing to accept it and say it's a good thing. Because if they don't, well, there's consequences for those actions. In addition, those most familiar with the social credit system and how it's being implemented, citizens and businesses in China are widely supportive of the system. In one peer-reviewed study, 80% of the respondents either somewhat approved or strongly approved of social credit scores. Just 1% of participants reported either strong or some degree of disapproval in the system. While not all studies have shown such high levels of support for the system within China, all show broad degrees of support. See, for example, the study below. Now, I need to go and wrap things up pretty quickly because I'm kind of beginning to lose my voice. The article then goes into other countries that have something very similar, but not exactly the same as to what China has. And when we start kind of digging into some of these things, it's actually pretty disturbing. For example, what we see here with Australia. One of Australia's biggest immigrant groups are New Zealanders who are entitled to live and work in Australia for a life under the terms of a special category visa, usually awarded on arrival. This visa has a good character test, which has been used to deport those residents in Australia for decades, entirely at the discretion of officials. In a recent case, this was used to detain and deport a 15-year-old child. Arguably, this has some similarities with the way the China social credit system can affect freedom of movement based on antisocial behavior. I guess the issue is, what exactly do they consider to be antisocial behavior? Are they talking about staying up late in the dark, listening to The Cure while surfing the internet? 
Or are they talking about going and mugging people and robbing grocery stores? That's the thing. They don't exactly go into the details as to what exactly that means. Germany's expansive credit rating system has a significant impact on individual liberties. The Schufa score, similar in some ways to the FICO score in the United States, is necessary for renting or buying a house in Germany, borrowing or receiving goods on credit. While the details of the score are kept secret, no big surprise there, in the interest of commercial security, it has been claimed that being in a low-income area or having low-score neighbors could negatively impact your score. They're not just judging you, but they're judging you based on the people who live around you or if you don't live in the right neighborhood. You know what they say about the Germans. If you don't join their party, they'll come get you. No offense to any German listeners. India's unique identification program, known as ADHAR, provides each resident with a 12-digit number and records their demographic and biometric data. That's pretty frightening, including fingerprints and iris scans. So this really is Minority Report. The program began in 2009 as a voluntary system, but now covers 99% of the population. Yes, that's how... Most of these authoritarian measures start. They start off as being voluntary, and then they stop being voluntary. Its original purpose was to ensure access to welfare programs, but concerns have been raised about its use by law enforcement as well as illegal access for commercial purposes. This has some similarities with the mass gathering of surveillance data in some trials of the China social credit system. Now, I am a bit surprised that they did not bring up the ESG scores. That's basically taking place here in the United States and in the West. It's a good possibility it's not on there because it's not being pushed by government. It's actually being pushed by private industries. So this is all I have for tonight on the subject. Like I said, my, my voice is pretty much shot at this point. And I'm going to try and leave you with the typical speech of make sure to become an activist for your rights. We need to push back against this stuff. You need to contact your local governments get involved and make sure that these measures do not get implemented here because they are being implemented here and we're going to be in for a world of hurt in the future if we do not fight against these things. This is Ian signing off. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to its thinky talk. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and will be recycled as part of our sustainability program. Here's a fun fact, there is literally no downside to unreserved obedience.
we are not violent. But I would like to remind you that we have nukes and F-15s. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.